Are you the Judean people's front? Fuck off. What? Judean people's front. Well, the people's front of Judea. Judean people's front. Oh, <laughs> wankers. Can I join your group? Now, piss off. I didn't want to sell this stuff. It's only a job. I hate the Romans as much as anybody. Are you sure? Oh, dead sure. I hate you. Listen, if you wanted to join the PFJ, you'd have to really hate the Romans. I do. Oh, yeah, how much? Hot. Right, you're in. For ourselves and for future generations, a new world order, a world where the rule of law, not the law of the jungle, governs the conduct of nations. When we are successful, and we will be, we have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use the peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise of Here we go. All right, a lot to get to today, so let's uh, just jump right into it. I just want to start by re- reviewing. Uh, how you doing, guys? What's up, Joe? What's up, Ray? Hey, what's up? What's up, Professor? Hey, everybody. <laughs> I just wanted to start real quick by re- uh, going over a couple of things from last week, and then we'll jump right into creation and the New World Order and all those other things that we got to get to. When I was doing my editing, I was listening back, and sometimes I was looking down at my questions, so I almost uh, missed what you were saying. So I'm listening back, and I heard you say that you were a level three matador. Was that serious, or were you just messing with me? <laughs> uh, I, I was just messing. I, I don't even know. Are there levels to being a matador? I'm not <laughs> even sure. Know. It's just something that I didn't even notice it when you said it. And all of a sudden, I'm like, did he just say he was a level three matador? <laughs> I'm like, what the hell was that? You know? D- don't okay. mind him. He's full of <laughs> shit. Oh, another funny thing I noticed is the way Professor says Drew. Professor, say Drew. Mr. Drew. Drew. <laughs> Every time he says Drew, it made me laugh, you know. I like Drew. to tell him to shut up. He'll be like, I'll be talking to somebody and he'll throw in. I'll be like, shut up, Drew. Uh, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way the Professor says Drew. Every time I heard it, it made me laugh. I am a great American. Some of these things might not have made it in the final cut because I cut them out so that we don't look so stupid. I think this one made it in when I was talking about what I called the Bay of Tonkin. And then I noticed you corrected me and you called it the Gulf of Tonkin. I'm just like, and, I, and then I said it again. I don't even listen. I'm like, yeah, like the Bay of Tonkin. Like, I know what I'm talking about. Well, uh, you're probably thinking about the Bay of Pigs. Right. I probably confused yeah. and mixed them up. I kind of like no stuff. And I explained this to Red once before. Like, I have a lot of shit in my brain. But I can't like find it, and it gets all mixed up and jumbled up, you know. But I tell you what, it's not as it's not as funny as what Red said when you said that Reagan was president in '93. Yeah, what I said that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't remember that. I think that ended up getting cut out. Yeah, when we were talking about uh 9/11, he goes, you know, during the first attack in '93 when Reagan was president. Oh, he was. Uh, he was though. And I'm oh, like, Allah. Reagan was not president in '93, and I had to. I had to Google it just to make sure I wasn't crazy. I mean, I, it was 80, 80, yeah, right. No. It, this last year was what? 80, 84, 89? 80, what? 89, 89 then, yeah. 
yeah. Well, I think we. Nancy I, and I, we uh, I, we never left. We're always here. When was the first time we got hit there? At at uh, Grand it was ninety three. I, I You're right. It was ninety three. Oh, so okay, yeah. the year was right. Okay, all right. So I yeah, was the wrong. Reagan wasn't okay. present. All right. That. Well, yeah. dude, I referenced <laughs> the letter th- or the letter thirteen in the last episode. I listened. I was like, the letter thirteen. What the fuck? Oh, did man? you say the letter? I didn't even pick that yeah, up. Yeah, really. you know what? Now that <laughs> did it you twice. said it, and I'm I'm remembering that. That's fine. Uh, okay, do you want me to kick him off the show? <laughs> did you notice the um, red loud chair? I did not notice that, and we even talked about that before the show. When I'm editing back, I, I'm hearing all this, like, squeaking and crunching, I'm, and I realize, I'm like, it's red chair. Uh, listen to this chair. Red, I'm going to buy you a new chair. <laughs> listen to this. Wow. That's sick. That's your chair. That's Is that the chair? <laughs> yeah. That's insane. And then when you're talking and you're saying something and Red's interested, he, he has a habit of being like, mm. It sounds like Ted Kappel's heartbeat, he goes, honestly. Mm. Mm. You ever see the movie Young Frankenstein? Mm. Yes. Like, this is Red going, mm. 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 <laughs> right. Mm. That's great. That's great. And, then, and now, this is oh, Young Frankenstein. <laughs> There's a mix of red and his chair. I had to cut about 40 minutes of this stuff out of the show. Those noises terrify me <laughs> more than right? Mr. Couple could ever. I mean, good God. Anyway, most importantly, last week we, we played some of Red's music. Mm. Uh, his rap songs. See, and... I did it again. I just did it. Mm. Yeah, he does that. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's a revved up one. That's Young Frankenstein. Oh, okay, all right. So, so anyway, we were talking to the, the professor last week, and I was telling him what a beautiful voice he has and seeing if he would maybe do some some singing with Red. Right. So I sent him a beat. And, Professor, you did uh, you did some vocal tracks, didn't you? Yeah, I mixed a few of the popular songs from the kids um, back then, uh, Kids in Your Hood. Uh, not Mark Wahlberg, though, obviously. He's a fuck stick. Would you, um, would you mind if I played a little of that? I would love to because the last one went platinum and I'm hoping that this one could do the same thing. All right, here we go. Let's let's hear the professor sing. Three, two, one, go. Everybody, 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 Never hurts nothing but weird sounds emanating from it. Mama, I'm depending on you. Was this freestyle like what we were talking about? Um, I think it was a mix of freestyle and improv and script. I did this in one take though. One take. Can you believe it? Yeah, we're gonna jam. We're gonna get it would be a great honor, sir. I would raise my level even higher than I already raise it. The Huggies 4000 raised it pretty high already, but, you know. Shut up, Drew. Uh, <laughs> well, I tell you what, that was really, really good. Like, I can't wait to hear you guys do some more. Oh, yeah, it's going to get better. Absolutely. Guys, things, more new things, exciting uh, things are coming. Red, you have a cool shirt on. Uh, thanks, bro. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, nice. No, I, I think it's cooler than Drew does. Don't worry about him. Yeah. <laughs> I said it was cool first. All right, I tell you what, let's just take a, a two-second break. All right, we'll come back, and then Drew's going to pick it up, and we're going to start with uh, creation. People crap, people crap, people crap, people crap. 
All right, we pick up today a book called The Gods of Eden, uh, authored by William Brantley, Bramley, excuse me. And we talk about a lot about on this podcast, Connecting the Dots. I acquired this book early, uh, earlier this week in preparation for the Sumerian talk. And what we're going to talk about today is the creation myth, which involves Enki, Enlil, and uh, the Anunnaki. So I found it fascinating in this book. Uh, I had never read it before. Um, I own, and I should say first, I have to give a lot of credit to David Icke and uh, Vigilant Citizen, people like that. I just put dots together, but those people are the ones that are uh, investigating it and researching it. So in this book by William Branley, I'm only 37 pages in. Uh, he is talking about a gentleman called Charles Hoy Fort in the beginning who authored Book of the Damned and New Lands. And it was Ho- Mr. Hoyt's theory that uh, the human being or the human population originated on this planet as a slave race languishing uh, on an isolated planet in a small galaxy. Basically, we are property, according to Mr. Hoyt and his theories. We, he calls them the custodians, Mr., uh, now talking about Mr., Mr. Bramley, the author. And he refers to the people that own this planet as the custodians. And it's interesting that this book, he went to write a book on the UFO phenomena. And he even says this in the book. This is, he says, this is not where I wanted to go with this book. And I've risked a great deal. Um, but I just followed the facts and the research wherever it went. As we say, connect dots. Uh, and this is the conclusion he comes to. He ends up writing a book on the Sumerian creation myth based upon what he was researching in the UFO phenomena. It all traced back to Sumer. And gentlemen, when they teach us in school, where where do they teach us that the cradle of civilization is? It's in what? Between the... Sumeria. You, yeah, Sumeria. Yeah, Mesopotamia. Between the Euphrates and Tigris rivers. Yeah. Now, this this sounds very similar to Zachariah Sitchin's writings, right? Yes. Well, Zachariah Sitchin basically transcribed uh, or helped transcribe some of the uh, Sumerian tablets. And a lot of people have done this. Um, it's interesting. when Whenever this they, they do decode this, they all come to the same conclusion, which is what uh, we're going to talk about today. Red, it's interesting you say what you said, Africa, because according to the Sumerian texts, the uh, this race from heaven they came to earth. That's what the literal interpretation of Anunnaki means. Um, we'll just read. I'm going to read a little bit from the book and then paraphrase and hear whatnot. The first of those civilizations was Sumeria, a remarkably advanced society which arose in the Tigris Euphrates River Valley between 5000 and 4000 BC. Uh, flourished as a major civilization by 3500 BC. Basically, I, I, I remember they taught us Mesopotamia. They never really taught us about Sumer. Mm. Um, Sumeria left records stating that human-like creatures of extraterrestrial origin had ruled early human society as Earth's first monarchs. Those alien people were often thought, as, uh, thought of as gods. Some Sumerian gods were said to travel in the skies and through the heavens flying globes and rocket-like vehicles. Ancient carvings depict several gods wearing goggle-like apparel, over their eyes. Human priests acted as more intermediaries between the alien gods and the human population. These gods brought another slave, uh, race with them called the Gigi, which is what their slave, it was another extraterrestrial race that they used as their slaves. Well, the Gigi, uh, after several centuries, and they came to Earth 
to mine gold because of their home planet, uh, something to do with the ozone. It was being it was being destroyed. It's the exact same story of Krypton, the Superman story. Wow. They had to leave their planet. They came to Earth to mine gold in Africa, and there is evidence of gold mining in Africa. Uh, like what, sixty thousand years? They have yeah. can trace back. So, and it's interesting too that NASA they actually use gold on their satellites, their spacecraft, because it reflects heat. So that's so I that's found that a fascinating. To Africa, that yeah, yeah, I yeah. I, I find so basically, this stuff so fascinating. Yeah, the it's cradle, yeah, cradle of and it's basically the ancient alien theory. Yeah, yeah. and it, it what's yep. strange about it is like to some people you first hear this. And you're going to think, oh, this sounds so crazy and far out. And, right. and, and when you first hear a little bit of it does, but the, the more you listen to it and think about it, it actually seems more credible and makes more logical sense than the other interpretations that are in the Bible and stuff. It, well, it, yeah, it, you're right. It makes much more logical sense and there's much more evidence of it. Do you know where those stories in the Bible come from? The Bible stories come basically yeah, from there, like, right? Yeah. So this, these are the oldest, like right. oldest writings or oldest records on the pla- face of the planet. There's never been anything older wow. than w- these tablets. Uh, they were discovered in 1869, I believe, um, and they've been they continue to work on them mm. and try to transcribe. They found 20,000 tablets, and there were seven of them that were called the creation tablets. What is the language? Um, like, what are they? What do what they it's call ancient, the like Sum, ancient Sumerian? Sumerian uh, yeah. There's only a certain number of people in the on the planet that can actually transcribe it, and even Zachariah Sitchin, yeah. there's stuff they're, they're, in that. They're basically symbols yeah. etched yes. into yeah. these clay yeah, tablets. Right. It looks like yeah. an alien like language. Uh, right. The term "ancient astronaut" pigeons pigeonholes them into a distant past when they appear to have maintained a continuous present all the way up till today. Uh, okay, so we're going to get into some of the what they actually say. They record a great deal of history on their tablets that Mesopotamians did in the ancient Sumerians. A fraction have survived. They managed to tell a remarkable story about custodial gods and their relationship to Homo sapiens. And isn't, what do they say when they're talking about evolution, the missing link? They can't figure out what the missing link is. Here's your missing link. According to the history inscribed in the Mesopotamian tablets, there was a time when human beings did not exist at all. Instead, Earth was inhabited by members of the custodial civilization. Custodial life on Earth was not pleasant. Uh, custodial efforts to exploit the rich mineral and natural resources of Earth proved backbreaking. Uh, and this is a transcription from the, the tablets. When the gods, like men, bore the work and suffered the t- toil, the toil of the gods was great, the work was heavy, the distress uh, was muck. So they came up with a plan to use the Gigi. The Gigi revolted after several hundred centuries. Uh, at that point, they didn't have a slave race anymore, or they didn't have a race to do their bidding. So uh, one of the Anunnaki, uh, I think it was Enki, and this is where Zachariah Sitchin comes in. Uh, in, in his book, The Twelfth Planet, Zechariah Sitchin analyzes uh, creation stories and concludes that the tale of God's body being mixed with clay may have referred to biological engineering. Basically these Anunnaki create a new race, a slave race, the Homo sapiens, which would be us, to do their bidding. And according to Mr. Branley's theory, David Icke's theory, I mean, serpent worship is the oldest form of worship on the planet. That's that's, that's interesting, too. Now, when you, you, you think about this in, in a logical sense, 
right? You look at humans. When humans, when we need to get something done, we need work done, what do we do? We use animals or we enslave people. Uh, it really, some of the things to me just sound logical. And again, if we ever get to the point where we can travel to another planet, chances are we're going to get to this other planet. The odds of us being able to, to live on this planet, right? Or having the right, exact right atmosphere and, the, and all of those things is almost impossible. But if we ever get to that point, we will know how to genetically engineer things. We're getting close to that point already. If we wanted our species to live on, we're not going to pack up 40 million people, put them on a ship and bring them somewhere. No, we're never going to be able to do that. But what we can do is travel with our DNA, our coding, and we will be able to take that coding and inject it into a species that, that already has the ability to inhabit that planet. And all of that stuff that's in your DNA, all of that DNA is your history. This is why I say, it, I know it sounds crazy at, at first glance, but it all makes perfect logical sense to me. Two points. Have you ever seen The Man of Steel, the, the, the Warner Brothers movie about Superman? You just described the scene where he has the every living cell of every Kryptonian in his blood. Uh, also, the second point, I just find that fascinating, the symbolism in Hollywood. Right. And then the second thing, you just described how they make a zebra. They put the cell or the egg of a, they basically fabricate the zebra while mm. it's in the horse womb. Uh, basically, Zachariah Sitchin compares how they make a zebra, because a zebra is not a natural animal, I don't think, right? I know we're talking about zebras. That's really weird. No, zebra's a natu natural, right? Yeah, yeah, I would never it's have a, known It's that. a... Um, a light, a liger is the one that we made, which is okay. A, yeah, oh, there. Which oh, is it's a, a liger we made. Yeah, a liger is what a mix of a, a tiger and a lion. Okay, so here's where it gets. Uh, basically, ancient Sumerians, um, the, you had Enki and Enlil, and one I can't remember who. If people really want to like get into this, and I suggest you do because it's really hard to cram like s these tablets into a you know a short segment. Go and check these out. We are, we're not making this up. Zachariah Sitchin has uh, the 12th planet, the lost book of Enki. Go read the Sumerian creation myth and throw out that word myth because these are the oldest writings or records kept on planet Earth. And Genesis, the book of Genesis, the Bible, every story about religious deity ever since then was based upon the these Anunnaki. Um, you have the story of, all the stories, these are not stories that were verbally passed on and changed and all of that. We still have the original writings. It's mm -hmm. just a matter of... Written records, yeah. Yeah, it's a written record into the clay tablets. Yeah, I love the one picture of the of the two Anunnaki, I believe you call them, standing there. And they have that thing that looks like DNA, where you see the whole swirl. And we have, what, 10 strands of our DNA that's been turned off? Scientists don't know what it is. They call it junk DNA. Uh, you mix that with the, the, the missing link. So here's where it gets weird. Uh, Enlil, according to the tablets, lived more than 1,200 years. Uh, they weren't talking about his actual body. The Sumerians believed that you could, once you died, your consciousness would elevate, and you could therefore like uh, funnel your consciousness into a new body. They believed that. 
So a personality or consciousness could therefore hold the same political or social position body after body as long as the personality could be identified. When Sumerians gave custodians an extensive longevity, they were not necessarily suggesting that a single custodial body survived for centuries. In many cases, they appear to have been saying that a custodial personality or consciousness held a political position for a very long time, even though it may have done so through a succession of bodies. That isn't that crazy? Now, you want to know, like, why when we get new presidents, why does the same agenda roll on? Because it's the same force. The tale of Utnashpishtim should ring a bell. This is a, a story from the creation myth. It talks about uh, a, one of the, the human beings being told by Enki to gather all of his animals and all the people together and make a huge craft to su survive the deluge, which was the great cataclysm that the Sumerian tablets talked about. Does that not sound like Noah? Yeah, the, the Noah story is is in basically every civilization all over the world has some form of a great flood story and is also evidence of it. So that that's one of those things where I always say there's always a grain of truth. Now you're saying these symbols were found in Iraq area? Yes. They were yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean they're they're 1867 1869 or 1870. They've been they discovered him uh, way back then, and I can't remember the name of the guy that first tried to transcribe him. The Probably the most well-known person who talks about these tablets is Zechariah Sitchin. Um, so, obviously, it may be difficult to accept—I'm reading from the book again here—to accept Mesopotamian and biblical statements that ancient human society have been split apart thousands of years ago in a divide-and-conquer effort by flying extraterrestrials even though the divide and conquer technique is frequently used by military and political leaders on earth during wartime. Interestingly, using the technique was an, was advocated a number of years ago by a distinguished Yale professor. If earth should ever colonize other planets, the good professor, not me, but another one. Uh, thank you. Suggested that earth could control another inhabited planet by pitting one native group against the other. Does that not seem like our planet today? Yes, it does. All right, listen, so, this is, let's just take a two-second break, and we'll pick up the conversation right here. Okay. All right, Red, so yes. we're back now, and you asked what type of language it was. They transcribed it. It's called cuneiform or something. Okay. Uh, It's—I oh, just had this, too. I'll have to, I'll have to bring this back up. So just to recap— we're talking about the Sumerian creation myth, which right. uh, are called the Eridu Genesis, uh, found on a single, well, this, this creation myth found on a single fragmentary tablet that okay. had seven tablets in it, uh, or seven tablets, also six others with it. It was written now, in the Sumerian language and dated Now, one tablet would hold, like, what oh, would They're like, huge, would man. They're like the size yeah. of a... Oh, yeah. they're huge. They're like the I mean, what would it translate into a book, let's say? Uh, you know, would it be a, a thousand-page book? No, probably not. Because okay. some of the verses uh, are very short, sweet, and to the point. Right, but they say a lot. They had, yeah, there's, they found 20,000 tablets. The, there were only seven of them contained the creation myth story. And one of the, the tablet that first started, the, the oldest one in the chronological story, uh, basically so the top half of it was eroded. The story picks up picks up around 1600 BC. So here we go. Just to recap, it describes how the gods An, Enlil, Enki, and Ninhirsanga 
And by the way, Enlil, like Lil, uh, do you know what Queen Elizabeth likes to be called? Her nickname is Lily. Yes. yes. That's creepy. Lily. Lily, Lil. And we'll talk Lie. about language and how that's decoded too. They created Sumerians in the comfortable conditions for uh, basically on Enli, Enki, and Ninhershanga came to Earth. Have you ever seen 2001 A Space Odyssey? No, I have to see that. You, oh, you have got to see that. I just watched that the other day. That is Kubrick was telling us what happened. They needed gold to save right. their planet. They began mining uh, Africa, and there's evidence of mining in Africa 60,000 right. years ago. Uh, there's a lot of research to suggest that all of us came from a single ancestor in Africa some 200-some thousand years ago. All right, that's um, what I thought, yeah. The, you had the missing link. You have the sudden change it all matches up yeah like the, it's just like we're five for five now you know uh then right. you have the flood which have what they called the deluge after the deluge the terrible storm raged for seven days and seven nights <laughs> that sounds pretty similar the huge yeah. boat had been tossed about onto the green waters uh, basically after the flood receded uh and the sumerians talk about when the flood was going on how their gods were in chariots of the sky basically boat skies like well they were in spaceships uh mm. protecting themselves so from there and this is also interesting because as we now what is the population at this time mesopotamia or sumer I, yeah. I you know that's one thing i did not look into you're gonna have to let me get get back I mean, to that i don't know for sure but i believe it was only in the thousands to maybe tens yeah. of thousands someone at range and this is the first known like advanced civilization on the planet you know uh now we get into the Brotherhood of the Snake. After the flood has receded, you have these mystery schools that are initiated to, in order to like protect this hidden knowledge and the real story of planet Earth. And that's where Freemasons and the Scottish Rite and the Order of the Malta, Order of the Garter, I'm sorry, Brotherhood of the Snake, and of all the animals revered in ancient human societies, what was the most important? The snake, the serpent. So the Brotherhood of the Snake, uh, dedicated to, I'm reading from the book again, dis dissemination of spiritual knowledge and the attainment of spiritual freedom. The Brotherhood of the Snake, also known as the Brotherhood of the Serpent, which I... <laughs> 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 oh, God. Sorry. Opposed the enslavement of spiritual beings, and according to Egyptian writings, it sought to liberate human race from custodial bondage. The Brotherhood also impar uh, imparted scientific knowledge and encourage the blah, 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 blah. So you have this brotherhood of the snake. And in the book, William Bramley goes on and concludes that, uh, yeah. as we shall, know, shall now begin to carefully document, reading from the book, this is his conclusion. The brotherhood of the snake has been the world's most effective tool for preserving mankind's status as a spiritually ignorant creature of toil throughout all of history. During mm -hmm. all of that time and continuing today, the brotherhood and its network of organizations have remained intimately tied to UFO phenomena. This corruption of the Brotherhood and the overwhelmingly, overwhelming effect it would have on human society was already apparent by the year 2000 BC in ancient Egypt. Our, so they had their grip on the planet by then, you know? Right, so now as it goes into the snake, is that how it becomes so, into the... Yeah, so basically the Anunnaki leave. These right. gods leave, and they leave... Uh, humans in charge but they delegate certain humans to be the representatives of them they they hide they uh, genetically manipulate the dna again 
and create right. royal bloodlines. Thirteen of them. Thirteen. And wow. this, this and is where this would be the thirteen bloodlines. Yes, and the thirteen bloodlines. Yeah. If if we want mm. names on them, this is what some of the names have been. Uh, let me find this real quick. You have the Astor family, the Bundy bloodline, the Collins bloodline, the Duponts, the Freeman, the Kennedy, the Lees, the Onassis, Reynolds, Rockefeller, Rothschild, Russell, Van Dunn. How often do you hear those names in the news? Yeah, always. It's it's interesting that you have Kennedy bloodline and Onassis because wasn't Jack? Didn't she marry into an Onassis after Kennedy was killed? Yeah, she married so an Onassis, actually... right? Uh, so yeah, but these people, uh, the Astor family, uh, Rockefeller, or who was it? No. Um, who owned White Star Lines? It was J.P. Morgan, the the Titanic. Did you know that the three of these fucks, these rich fucks, these bloodlines, were supposed to sail on the Titanic, and oh, shit, suddenly yeah. canceled the night before because of a, a, a telegram they had received saying, "Don't sail the Titanic." Uh, really? T- you take nine eleven, like, dude, the Titanic was that era's nine eleven. We'll get into the Titanic at some point, but like, they actually got a telegram. Yes, dude. So uh, what was the that, reason then? Was there yeah. other people on the Titanic they were trying to get rid of? Or? I think. Well, they say they say that the Titanic and what's the sister ship were swapped out. The Titanic, there was a huge fire in the Titanic, or something happened, and they they didn't want to eat all that money, but they had to have something happen to it, so they basically created an insurance claim. And I I've seen some stuff on the Titanic, and we're, I won't get too far into this, but like nothing that they tell us about the Titanic is accurate at all. Like it just blows my mind. It's like wow, they lied to us about the Titanic. Why? Uh, so a few things that we get from ancient Sumer that still exist today. All right, uh, we have copper. You got board games. You have the wheel, right. the number system, sailboat, mm. a cuneiform scripts, uh, coding. I mean, monarchies, monarchies, monarchies still exist today. The, the royal bloodline, <laughs> the divine right to rule because of your bloodline. And think about how often the royal bloodlines, like, uh, what was it? Kate Middleton and Prince William, they're like third cousins. They, they, it's just, they're it's just really horse amazing that all these things go back that far. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first civilization. They, I mean, they had so many things. It was even the, the first. It was the first government. The first. The first jewelry, right? The first yeah. all of that stuff. They, everything like agriculture. It all blossomed. Everything that we still use today. Our like our way of life. Us being here probably originated from that advanced civilization in Sumer or Mesopotamia, following the events of the flood, the deluge, which are yeah. described in the creation tablets or the creation myth on the oldest known record written record on the planet right wow that, it's pretty right, so let's, let's leave it right there continue this topic next week okay anyway. i did well hold on could you start over i wasn't listening i'm not gonna fucking start <laughs> over jesus christ yeah. professor well i'm sitting here and then i go and I come back and I eat some mac and cheese. And then I don't know because I'm going to go to see some geese. But then I go. And then I come back. I'm a professor at Yale University. But I don't see what the big deal is. I'm a... Not a fuck chick. That's Ted Koppel. But then speaking of Ted Koppel, I go and he... This is pretty good. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Hi, Carol. Gotta get it into the party. Fly the... Uh, last week we mentioned Iran. Mm. What did I call it? The the Bay of Tonkin? Yeah. <laughs> Gulf of Pigs. Uh, so over in Iran now, 
Iran claimed to have killed 17 CIA spies. Killed them or caught them? Caught them. And well, they, they didn't kill them yet, okay. but right. they did claim that they were going to yeah. be prosecuted and put to death. They were, they're, uh, I, I'm sorry, they're Iranians though. They're, aren't they Iranian nationals? They're not Americans, right? I don't know. Well, they're, they're CIA spies. Yeah, they're, yeah. And it's just one of those things that that's what they're claiming. And now the Trump administration is denying it. And I was just wondering if you had any thoughts on that. What is, why would we deny it? Did, would Iran just be making that up? I don't think so. I don't think they're making it up. So it, it, you would think it would be the type of thing that would be we'd be pissed off about and we would want to retaliate. Yeah. But yet the Trump administration is just denying it. What well, it sounds like they're filming a sequel to Argo, you know? Like, God, I didn't know they were making a sequel. Uh, okay, so... <laughs> Part of me wants to say, because Iran is one of the only countries on planet Earth that does not have a Rothschild-controlled bank, but then the other part of me is like, well, the United States government put those people in power. You know, the the movie Argo talks a little bit about that at the beginning, how the United States uh, helped, what, with that color revolution. I've heard people talk about Iran is owned too. They are just playing their part in the game, the, the global chessboard, and then, well, I didn't see this video of their commandos boarding that British tanker. Did you see that? I didn't see the video of it. What when they bomb when they bombed like the side of it? No, they, they, uh, there was a British tanker in international waters, and these Iranians just basically the Iranian commando squad lowered their helicopter and over like basically com- what do they call it? commandeered this ship? Yeah, the they ship pirated it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you have the drone incident. Uh, yeah, there was also reports yesterday of a second drone that we That's took right. down of theirs. Yeah, and supposedly. they say it didn't happen. Of now, yeah, now we say we took down a second drone of theirs. They're denying it. So there's this strange thing going on, like where there's like there seems to be like a little war. Both sides are denying whatever the other side says. It's very strange. You, you said it best last week, Nico, when you said that uh, the Warhawks at the Pentagon are trying to pull him in. They are trying. They're certainly trying oh, to yeah. pull Trump into a war. And which, which brings me to sanctions. Instead of going to war, all right, this is what we do, is we, we put sanctions on people, all right? And we try to financially hurt them as, as instead of going to war. This sounds like a really good idea in principle but what i'm noticing is that it doesn't really work uh it doesn't seem to work at all it only hurts the people not the people in power who have plenty of money anyway no the middle and class one yeah. thing i've noticed is that the more you hurt the people and the more you squeeze them the more they unite against you and the more they hate you um, and it, it's it's not unlike a poor community that has nothing that develops gangs and they become violent and they and they join together and they rebel. So by putting all these sanctions and just squeezing the people, they're just making all the people generally hate us more. And and they're going to be ready to fight. And so it, it, I don't. I mean, I do understand why you try to do something instead of war, yeah. but I just don't think it's a policy that's really working. But how you, how else do you do it? I guess really when you when it comes down to it, what do you do? Yeah, I, I don't know. Because yeah, you know, you know I mean, okay. if we go to war, we'll be in we'll, we'll be we'll be in war with everybody. Oh Jesus, we're our, I mean, we're already at war. <laughs> We've never ended war, you know. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, this is just a, a simple question. Why do we want to go to war with Iran? Yeah, I know we don't. 
because it's the it's it's uh what it's the other half of the holy land that's all this is this this force right. that we were there's just there's no they don't even say there's no. no real reason what why was the united states army remember when we were invading iraq what were they after they were after the stuff that was in the museums they are trying to hide the real history of planet earth number 1 and i also like i believe or resonate that they they want that hidden uh and they also want their land. That's that's the that's from where all of civilization begun. They don't want. They just want their land back. Is Israel is like just spreading. That's it's the global Babylon. Yeah, I mean, take that into consideration. Why is the United States so pro Israel? You know, I never understood that. We give so much money to Israel, and I have a website that I can show you that just outlines how fucking ridiculous it is and how much money we give to Israel. Uh, yeah, that's why I think we should just. Take Israel, pick everything up, and put it in Nevada. Right? Why not? Dude, that's we got so much desert out there. I saw a picture on a map one day where they, they took Israel and they put it on the United States map. And it was just a little blob. It's a little dot in the middle of where we have hundreds of millions of acres of desert. And we could just move everything right there. Doesn't the federal government own like half of Nevada? They use it for test sites, nuclear Yeah, shit? it's like almost all federal yeah, land. That's it's weird. nothing. All of this money and fighting over this little blip of land, you know, but it's that sacred location. It, oh, so. yeah, that's what they're after. They're after where they their mammy uh, made them. They're from there after. It's like come full circle. You know, that's where it all started. That's why I think they're putting the capstone on the pyramid or they're trying and they're they're way behind because a lot of this stuff, you could tell they're desperate. You know, they don't know how to like people are starting to. Like you said, Nico, people are coming together and they're like, well, shit, that's why they're starting to Taco Bell's making Illuminati commercials. They're starting to let people in a little bit and then cul-de-sac them straight left so that they don't see the big picture. You know, the Taco Bell's making Illuminati commercials. Yeah, you've never seen that. You mentioned that once before. <laughs> I have to look into that. Dude, it's crazy. It's like they're, they're mocking. They're just saying like, yeah, so what? We do exist like. What are you going to do about it? It's like a bunch of dudes in really? black robes. Holy shit. Uh, I almost never watch commercials on TV anymore. Oh, so I didn't see it. I'd have to Google it to look yeah, it up. I didn't see it, but I heard about look it. Look at the Fidelity Investments logo. Look at Caterpillar's logo. Look at, uh, what else? The, the Walmart logo. These logos, uh, almost every corporate logo has a hidden meaning. Symbolism. Symbolism. Right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Symbolism and numerology. By the way, did you know that Mesopotamia, Sumer, ancient Sumer, you know what parallel it lies on? Yeah. It lies near the 33rd parallel. Do you know where the face on Mars, what parallel it lies on? Cydonia? You ever you ever heard of the face on Mars? No, well, maybe, but... It yeah, lies on the 33rd parallel. Do you know where... Teach me. Did you say the base or the face? face. You've never seen the face on Mars, Cydonia? No. Guys, uh, we're going to have to talk about... Yeah, you know, that's that side, right? I think I have looked at it. It's yeah, it's, it's basically their structures. They're they're ancient structures that are abandoned. Say right. It's, mm. it's fucking crazy, and we'll get into what the JPL and some of this other stuff because Mars is a whole other thing. Last week talked about the void of boundaries and natural and national pride. Do you remember what that quote was? We were talking about the. I think we, we were, were talking about the New World Order. I believe. They want a global society. So here's my thought on that. Now, I'm basically a hippie. I was raised by a hippie. I'm a hippie at heart. And that's why I sent you those those, those lyrics from John Lennon, Imagine. I mean, I understand why we have countries and it's good to be pride. 
But in the end, isn't these boundaries and the separating and that tribalism the cause of all the wars and all in the country? And in a sense, isn't us being part of a global community a good thing? Even the financial ties, as much as yeah, it can hurt our economy in some ways, and I get that, but the only thing keeping us out of destroying each other right, would be is joining. the financial as- assistance that we have with each other. Right. And yeah. I would say, and there's the, the the one line from from Imagine. Imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for, and no religion too. Imagine all the people living life in peace. That is the planet that I want, and I think that the only one of the only ways to get there is like the Brotherhood of the Snake is not. They should not be in charge. They are never going to deliver what John Lennon was talking about. There's no way. They are the opposite of that. They represent the opposite of that. So that's, well, that's why John Lennon was killed. I'm all for that, Nico. I'm all for that. I I say, let's have a, let's fucking have a Drew World Order, but I don't want the Brotherhood of the Snake. I don't want those fucks in charge of it because if they are, then the Georgia Guidestones outlie and what they have planned for the world. And I think that's a good place to leave it right there. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for coming on, Professor. Yes, it was Thank you, very Red. good. Thank you, Thank you Professor. Drew. Come on, Professor. Give it up. Give it up. Give it up. Freestyle. I'm going to... His name is Charles Hoyt. I'm to be my own person. Blending in, they working. I'll find my way, I'm learning. Hermes 